Hello and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading information services provider for emerging markets executives. We partner with business leaders at over 200 multinationals by providing them with research, analytical tools, and data that help power their emerging markets business strategies. My name is Mark McNamee and I'm the Senior Europe Analyst here at our London office, and I'll be moderating today's discussion. Today we'll chat with Western Europe's outlook for 2017 with our analyst covering Western Europe, Afanasia Kokino-Yin, who has recently published two reports on Western Europe, our Western Europe Regional Outlook for 2017 and the Western Europe Quarterly Market Review, our QMR, which presents our view for the market for this year. As a reminder, these reports and all of our content are available via our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. So let's begin, Afanasia. So these two reports uh, on Western Europe that we have here, uh, they are initiating the expansion of our coverage to develop the markets here at FSG. Um, this is, of course, very timely and partially in response to the key elections that we're seeing in the region, uh, which these elections have clearly triggered quite a wave of uncertainty for businesses as, as they are quite concerned about some of the political risks that we're seeing. So in your opinion, should we expect such turmoil in 2017 as the sort of alarmist, sensationalistic headlines uh, seem to indicate? Well, Mark, it is true that 2017 is a year of relatively higher political risk for Western Europe, as a series of important political events are actually taking place. But we don't expect to see a collapse of the European Union due to a rise in nationalism, if this is where you're getting at. Let me explain. There were headlines everywhere on the Dutch elections and the rising far right in the Netherlands and all over Western Europe. The media suggested that after the Dutch elections, we would see the end of the European Union as the winning party for freedom would ask for a referendum on EU membership. Eventually, the far right candidate Gert Wilders came second and he won't participate in the government coalition this, of course, mitigated concerns on any unfavorable business policies, including the EU referendum. In a nutshell, the Dutch economy will enjoy solid growth this year, despite what the headlines previously suggested. Another risk, Brexit, was another important event that added to the region's turmoil. It's true that we, got, we saw the British voting for Brexit due to rising nationalism. However, Brexit hasn't resulted in such a shock in the UK economy as there was everywhere in the media. This, of course, doesn't mean that businesses shouldn't be cautious about their midterm investments, as Brexit will be a year-long process. A third political event that we should note that could create the highest political risk for the region is the crucial elections coming up in France. In the second round, we will see in the second round only the top candidates. This will take place in May. The media is suggesting again that we will see the disintegration of the European Union. Although we do believe that Marine Le Pen stands a chance of winning, for her to implement populist policies and also her calling a referendum on the EU, 
her party will also need to be elected in the parliamentary elections in June, which is highly, highly unlikely for now, and she would need to get parliamentary support to push her policies forward after that. As I said, this is highly unlikely, and this shows that the risk is high, but not as high as the media portrays. Good, that's a good, interesting clarification. Um, so that covers UK Brexit, right? We saw a lot there in the past year. That'll be a years-long process, as you mentioned. France, of course, and I agree with you, that seems to be the most risky situation for the EU and, and general growth prospects for the, for the Eurozone going forward this year. But what about Germany? Okay, so we have important elections there in September. The issue that comes to mind there is the issue of terrorism, right, and the, the political impact. We saw, obviously, terrorist issues over the last year and a half in Belgium, in France, and that, in a way, up, uh, upset the, you know, the economy to an extent, had an impact on, of course, Le Pen's popularity. How do you see the German elections in light of potential terrorist attacks and terrorist attacks that we saw in the last year? Yes, of course, Mark. So we are having also the German elections in September. I would say that the things are more clear there compared to the French elections even. Chancellor Angela Merkel will get re-elected, as we believe, and we will see a similar coalition to what it is currently in place. Of course, there are terrorism attacks in Germany, and they will continue to challenge Angela Merkel and her welcoming migrants policy. And the far-right uh, alternative for Germany party will eventually enter the parliament in September. But this will unlikely challenge Merkel's momentum, as her popularity is still very strong. Additional to that, we are having Martin Schulz, the new leader for the Socialists, strengthening. And this shows that there will be, most likely, a grand coalition between Merkel and Schulz in September. Right, so after the September elections. Okay, interesting. So we've talked a lot of politics, of course. Uh, for our clients' concerns, these things only really matter insofar as how they impact the business environment. So all of that said, what would you suggest businesses should do this year in terms of their planning? Should they then, it sounds like, maybe just ignore the headlines and just prepare for good growth in the region without any political disruptions? Not exactly. So what I'm saying here is that businesses should primarily filter out the inputs for their planning. And every input they get from the media or from other resources Western Europe will likely muddle through in 2017, and we expect to see some mild reforms coming likely in France, Spain, and Italy. Of course, we have also Greece, that's another story. We will see some reforms there throughout 2018. Right, and Greece, as always, is a quite long-term story. Let's just hope for the best, but from our client's point of view, it's a relatively small market still. So that said now, assuming all does go well in terms of political risk, uh, which is my view as well for the region. Should we maybe expect even hopefully an acceleration in growth then? Mark, that's not exactly where I'm heading. Yes, we won't see any of the major risks materializing, but we either don't expect an upside in the region. Although Western Europe will grow by at around 1.6% on year-on-year terms, we will unlikely see an acceleration of growth, and that's primarily because politicians will unlikely make the necessary government steps towards improving the situation. And this means we, would, we won't see an acceleration in structural reforms. 
And what is keeping back the region? I think we should keep in mind what, is, what are the main problems that keep back the region. And I'm uh, referring to particularly to the structural problems which haven't been resolved yet. Okay, interesting. So it seems like you're getting more to the strategic issues and the, the longer term sort of economic obstacles that are holding back Europe's growth. So can you elaborate a little bit more on that? It, it's not exactly clear to me what specifically you're referring to. Yes, of course. So the most important point there is the high unemployment in the region. We have the high unemployment, let's say, at around 25% in Greece, but also uh, in improvement markets like Spain at around 18% for 2017. Yes, we will see an improvement in most countries on average, but we don't expect uh, a fast declining unemployment in the region. And we will see the southern markets to continue to suffer from high unemployment. And this will significantly hold back their growth potential for 2017. Okay, so let's stay there for a second. We, we talked about France, we talked about Germany here, Netherlands even. So staying in the south, looking at Spain, what about Spain? I, I, we've seen really strong growth actually in the last year to two years. Unemployment's been coming down a lot. Things seem to be clearly be going better there. What's your outlook? Yes, that's right, Mark. The Spanish economy is performing better than expected, above the region's average. The Spaniards, the Spaniards continue to purchase despite the high unemployment, and also the strong exports of Spain help the economy recover faster than expected. So that's, uh, that's an important point to make there. But let's also talk, if you would like to, uh, about the other problems that keep back growth. Okay, so tying it back together. So Spain maybe seems like this, maybe a prime example then of these structural problems within the region. So we've seen Spain bounce back to an extent. Unemployment is coming down, right? But it's, it's inherently sort of those structural issues and, and then the necessary structural reforms to maybe see growth recover faster. So can, maybe you can start there and elaborate on that. Yeah, of course, that's exactly where I'm heading to. So uh, the big problem of most Western Europe countries is the inefficient public sector. So a very big public sector that holds back overall growth, but also the growth of the private sector. And also this is coupled by weak investment. And why we continue to see weak investment in the region because the banking sector is still struggling to support investment after it was severely hit by the 2008-2009 financial crisis. Therefore, European banks can support investment and their portfolio is still high in non-performing loans and they still suffer in profitability. And uh, we also have to keep in mind that Western Europe doesn't have an alternative financing route, as we would see in the US, where small, medium enterprises contribute to financing significant part of investment projects. Right. So they're not getting all of their financing from banks in the US, whereas banks fundamentally support uh, investment and business growth within, within the EU. Exactly. Okay. So staying with the banks then, this seems to be hitting at sort of the, maybe the core issue within the European Union. So that said... European banks are still struggling. What's the sort of the depth of the problem? Should we expect a, a banking crisis? We, we've seen a lot of headlines, of course, with Italy, with Deutsche Bank in Germany. We've been seeing headlines, of course, with Greek banks for, for years since the financial crisis. So 
things still clearly don't sound quite right with banks, but I guess where are we with that? Should, should we expect a, a crisis soon? We don't think that we will see a banking crisis in Western Europe. However, we should keep in mind that non-performing loans are still high. There is gradually an improvement there, but this what, what is holding back the pace of improvement is a sticky legal framework and um, also that this framework is not harmonized among the Western Europe countries. So we, we see lagging of uh, improvement there. This doesn't mean that there will be a full-blown banking crisis, however. It means again that we shouldn't expect an acceleration in business demand particularly, as businesses need more financing to increase capacity and employ more personnel. Therefore, unemployment will continue to be high from that aspect. Gotcha. So the weak portfolios of these banks, the high NPLs that limits lending, that continues to limit business growth then, that continues to limit hiring. And so you're not really ever, we're not, we haven't really seen a clear pullout from this crisis primarily because of this banking sector. So that all, that all makes sense. I, I got it. Probably most concerning then is, is what I mentioned earlier. What about these Italian banks, right? So we've seen a lot of headlines in the last three to six months uh, about some of these banks uh, struggling, some of them perhaps collapsing in the relatively near future. Um, could there be a, a crisis head starting from there? It sounds like maybe you're getting it that the answer is no. If we would expect a banking crisis, it would definitely start from Italy. <laughs> And uh, this is because the Italian banks currently suffer the most. We have to note that the Italian banks hold one third of Eurozone's non-performing loans. And this shows a lot. And in 2017, we will see a series of recapitalizations as the new government aims to improve the health of the Italian banking sector. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. I and got this, it. So yeah, and this will help to restore some of the lost confidence in the sector. Right. To okay. add, but to over add. time, obviously, yes. this will take some time from the depth of the the, the crisis that they're facing. So exactly. Um, okay. So all this said, we've been talking about banking sector risks in Italy and German elections, French elections, and the political risk there, Brexit a little bit, all that. So getting away from all the risk factors, and I, I understand there's a lot. They all seem to be relatively low likelihood, though. Um, Let's focus now on fundamentally why is the Eurozone or the EU in general growing? And, and, and it's growing, relatively speaking, stably, predictably, relatively strongly. Um, so that being sort of clear, more or less, let's talk about some of the positives that we're seeing. So can you give us some additional insights then on maybe some of the opportunities, some of the sectors that are performing well this year that you expect to see really continued strong growth that, that's driving the overall growth of Eurozone countries. Yes, Mark, it's exactly as you say. We will see s positive opportunities uh, rising for the region, particularly um, the retail sector is uh, continues to be strong for uh, this year. This continues to be the pillar of growth for the region. And uh, I would also mention here e-commerce. And as businesses decide more and more to expand their channel, they invest more and more on e-commerce to reach more customers. So we expect to see significant growth in retail e-commerce this year. 
particularly in the UK, Germany and France. However, um, our clients should expect to see uh, increasing competition in the market as some of the market fundamentals improve gradually this year. This means that uh, they will see ongoing pressure for more promotions for uh, customers and uh, this could pu push further uh, their profit-oriented strategy. Another sector that will perform well and uh, we would like to note is the manufacturing sector. And this is mainly because of a weaker euro and a weaker pound that will favor exports. And uh, our clients that uh, sell to manufacturers will indeed see an improvement in their businesses this year. However, I would like to raise something here uh, that we should particularly keep in mind, especially for the UK market. As the pound depreciates, we expect to see ongoing inflationary pressures and this will rise over time the costs for manufacturers. So companies that localize production will manage to make benefits on the rising exports trend this year. Another sector that we will see an improvement in the region is the construction sector. We will see some gradual improvement coming from the south. We, we keep in mind that the uh, construction sector in the south was very badly hit from the 2008-2009 financial crisis and uh, we will see an improvement there uh, thanks to a gradually declining construction debt and uh, also in germany uh, we expect to see a solid construction sector as uh, germany continues to enjoy good credit conditions another sector that uh, we will see opportunities this year is the technology sector and uh, technology products especially cloud solutions will be especially attractive for governments as the defense budget grows and also, in general, Western Europe governments try to increase public finances efficiencies. Good. Interesting. Okay. So it sounds like four sectors then. So retail will continue to be strong as it has been. Manufacturing will benefit from a, a weaker euro that will help its exports. Uh, and then we'll see construction and technology uh, taking off a little bit. So good. Those are some pretty central, very large sectors that will present a lot of opportunities then. Um, okay. Excellent. Very good. Good recap. Interested to hear about the opportunities as well as uh, the many risks, but relatively speaking, low risks. Uh, and I think that's maybe the, the key point clients should take into account is that the headlines are a little uh, maybe distracting and alarming, but underlying it all, the economy still remains relatively robust. So thank you very much for your time, Athanasia. Very valuable uh, to speak with you today. Uh, those are all the questions I have for now. Uh, as a reminder to our clients who are listening, you can speak with Athanasia or any of our FSG analysts, including myself, by simply reaching out via your client relationship manager directly. You can also access FSG's reports on Western Europe and market monthly market monitoring reports on our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. This concludes our podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, we wish you great outperformance in your emerging and developed markets.